0: Prophetic lyrics of Alvin Lee's 10 years after they're so far ahead of his time. Uh, Roger Sales with you on the last day of January 2019. Uh, Boy, that one went quick. Um, Let's see how our levels are looking pretty good here. Radio Ranch, the name of our program, and uh, the People's Patriot Network, your network in all honesty, Uh, the platform and venue glad to have you along uh it's a thursday um well, we're gonna have chris now see when chris calls in and i don't know nobody else is on i just answer it and it's just like it used to be and i go hey chris it's roger your modern day abolitionist you know but we're not just looking to free the blacks we're looking to free everyone how you doing this morning chris
1: well uh, all things considered uh, pretty darn good had a pretty busy day I did get my passport on to the uh, Secretary of State yesterday with my evident proofs of citizenship
0: oh good yes. so you got your you got your passport back that's attached to the paperwork that you submitted with the D with whichever application you used right ds11 or I have
1: Haven't received it back yet, but I did put it into the passport office for directing to, and I'm going to back it up with a mailing to the Secretary of State as soon as I locate the exact address to mail it to. That's not easy, you know.
0: Yes, uh, I'd just send it to the Secretary of State, Administrative Department or something up there. I've maintained for a long time that you could just address it to Foggy Bottom, Washington, D.C., and it would get there.
1: Well, it may, but I thought I'd locate the actual mailing address. I had that before a few places and uh, you know, they don't make it easy to. I just contact. go well, I,
0: I really don't want people I, doing that. <laughs> I'd just pop on the internet and go to the Secretary of State's website and it's probably right there. Um
2: I have done some of that.
0: Well, I got
1: lots of eek but they don't have any actual addresses on them. Uh,
0: okay, now, the, the, now do you, uh, let me get this right. Now, I'm confused. I For what you said, I took that you got back your passport yesterday.
1: No, if I said that, I certainly misspoke. I got it into the mail to get it, uh, paid for the expeditious handling, both the uh, oh, okay. book and the clerk.
0: Now, usually you have to go to the post office to do that. Did you go to the post office and go through the rigmarole there with the registered agent?
1: Uh, they actually have a passport office or two, here, several here in the Las Vegas area. This apparently is a hotbed for immigration and passport activity, people entering and exiting uh, the America and the continental United States yeah. and other countries. So they've uh, facilitated... Actual passport agent offices, representatives who do that, particularly. It's in the uh, Southern Nevada Health District building over on Decatur Boulevard, 280 South Decatur, as I recall specifically. And uh, they were pretty nice people there. It wasn't overly busy or crowded. A few minutes' wait was all it was. Did have to go get a money order. They don't take cash. I could have used a debit card. In fact, I did have to do that for the Agent fee thirty five dollars. You have to pay them for processing your paperwork, but that was still a bargain, all things considered.
0: Hmm. Well, uh, I can imagine that being the the case in Las Vegas, and I can imagine there's probably a lot of extra strain in your in your market because of the well the nature of your market. So not
1: only that, I I was having to go about six or seven places yesterday to get a document authorized. In fact, one of the places I went was a uh, South American passport place called Landa that I'd had a doctor two notarized there, but because the one I was sending was a DHS trip complaint to the IG of the DOJ and the secretary of state and the department of Homeland security, they were, Let's say not comfortable with sending that document or putting their notary stamp on it, fearing retribution from the government. I suppose.
0: No, no, they'd never do anything like that.
2: Uh, well, they did yesterday. <laughs> um,
0: okay, so you submitted your application yesterday, then you got it in it, in process, as they say in the military, right?
1: Two hundred and thirty dollars worth. Yes, sir.
0: And you expedited it. I did. Okay. So you got to
1: is of the ex-
0: you did you did you put a, a a trip date on there?
1: I did not. I oh, didn't claim that ex- circumstances because you got to have a ticket to prove or something to prove the trip date. And so I took the 2 to 3 weeks time that takes for them to get it in the expedited processing normal chain okay. of events.
0: Well, are they did they since you did expedite it? Did they, you say they did require some sort of a plane ticket or verification or something of the trip?
1: In order to get it faster than the two to three weeks normal expedited time uh, for exigent
0: purposes. Although
1: I did quote to them that there is a a mitigating extenuating exception for life and death situations. And I think my situation definitely falls directly under that concept.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that's probably you could wiggle in there. Okay, but just for the average person, and what I was told in the past, and I don't know what processes have changed in the last number of years, this isn't something I do real regular, you know. But if you did expedite it, if you put a trip date on there, because they ask you what's your trip dates, if if you put dates on there, then when it went to the expediting office, it goes to the top of the stack. If you don't put dates on there, it goes to the bottom of the stack.
2: Well, that
1: GEIGO or FIFO, first in, first out, um, yeah. is a good concept, but I didn't do that. I okay. I was a bit under stress, believe it well, or not, well, no, 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 I was no. doing this for everything else going on
0: i understand but i have gone over that and tried to accentuate that in the past with people that for whatever reason do want to get it quick now the, this affords us another really interesting opportunity chris mm-hmm. and that is because now you have a passport application expedited in process
2: I do have.
0: Okay, now that qualifies you to be able to go to the State Department website and track the progress of your passport.
1: That's true. In fact, while searching around on the Travel.gov and uh, Secretary of State's websites, I found something I think that uh, everyone that listens to this program that loves freedom and liberty and is venturesome enough to go out and uh, put those additional evidences of citizenship and proofs of the document and affidavits and stuff with their passport form will find this most titillating. I found yesterday an article here from the United States Department of State, Office of Foreign Missions, Diplomatic and Consular Immunity Guidance for Law Enforcement and Judicial Authorities. Okay. Because non-citizen national status the uh, state American non-citizen U.S. national status that's on the DSM-11 with that passport, you're getting the same reason that woman got special treatment down there in Atlanta when she was going to the Uh, TA L. It was L.A. L.A., oh, that's even better. Yes, it is. Um, Well, this this, non-citizen U.S. national status apparently, like we talked about yesterday, incorporates something not dissimilar or maybe just below a diplomatic courier, Yep. and that is diplomatic immunity uh, status. Now, mm-hmm. there are some qualifiers on diplomatic immunity status, statuses, exclusionary preclusions, that in some ventures, when you're acting privately outside the scope of your official diplomatic duties, you might be culpable, liable, so you don't have a license to do everything, but there might be a couple of things you can't do Murder, rob, rape, plunder, child sex trafficking. Uh, no, you can't do
0: you can't do any of that kind of stuff. Those are all crimes against somebody, okay, and some sort mm-hmm. of a physical crime. But what it what it does is it moves you out from under that resident citizen of the United States total encompassing umbrella. And I think that's why the uh, the guy at t at the at the gate went over there. I don't know. I'm I'm dying to find out more, and I'm going to hear that story live tonight, okay?
1: Oh, and, uh, if you have the opportunity, I wouldn't mind being on that call. Well,
0: I, we're, we're going to talk about it, uh, and it's one of the things I wanted to mention today. Uh, yesterday, I put up on on the show description on CastBox.com, castbox.fm, C-A-S-T, castbox.fm, and go to Radio Ranch or PPN in the search, and you'll find the programs there in our channel. And if you'll go to yesterday's show, and when you pop on that date, there's one of those little at the bottom of the window there, there's one of those, I think the correct term, Chris, and audience, is Chevron. You know, like this... Uh. chevrons on a a master sergeant or sergeants in the military. Well, there's one of those little chevrons there that points down. And click on that, and the show description is there. Okay? I kind of go back immediately after the show, and the best of my memory, put the important things we discussed in there. And at the bottom of those are the links that are talked about that day. And yesterday at the bottom, there's, there's, I put a couple in there yesterday. We may talk about them a little bit more today. But at the bottom of that were the instructions on how to get on this call tonight. Now, um, this is a, a fellow from Texas named Thomas who had called in before the, the day that Michael Gaddy got his, got his drawers all in a wad this was the guy that called in right before the show that set up all the confusion that day. Okay. And that's when he called. I said, Hey, you've called in before, right? Okay. And so, yes, it's the same guy and he's been ruminating on this and studying it. And he's got a Facebook group too. uh, and, um, I guess that maybe that story uh, from I believe it's Veronica uh, 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 motivated him. Uh, uh, no, hold, it may not. That's I don't think that's her name. I got to go back and look. But it starts with a V. I know it starts with a V. Story of
1: Veronica Valerie. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. And I don't want to I don't want. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, I'm going to hear from her tonight. And he wrote me an email. Said she's going to be on the call tonight and tell the story. So, anyway, uh, he called in just this week and said, Would you do this call for, you know, I think he said there may be 40 to 60 people on there, one of these. Uh, Texas groups on Take Back Texas kind of thing, I think. And uh, so, of course, I I accepted that. And uh, that's going to be this evening at at 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. And I will, after the show today, under these show notes, I'll go back and pull that information on how to access that call if you want to and put it on today's show description, too. So it's already on yesterday's with Paul. And it'll be on today's, on this one, and whoever else calls in besides me and Chris. Um,
1: Well, I'm going to copy this hyperlink from this uh, site that I have here and send that to you. I will tell it to you right now just in case somebody's anxious to see it. And that comes from www.state.gov forward slash documents forward slash organization forward slash one five zero five four six dot pdf
0: well see chris if you had skype if you if, if we were connected better you could shoot me that in an instant message and i could add that onto the show description today now the other option if you can get to an email address before the show's over and send it to me i can then pull it off the email and put it in there today but otherwise, uh,
1: better tell us what email you're using now, so I can get it to you.
0: Do what now, Chris? You've,
1: you've changed your email. You might want to share with us now exactly. Well, what you, you can. Want well, to you make. can send
0: it. The, I've kind of adopted a show email. Uh, Radio Ranch, all one word. Radio Ranch at mail And otherwise, I haven't changed it. It went through a period of of immortality for about a month
3: Uh huh.
0: we had a little crash rooney you know and uh, uh-huh. uh and i didn't get to access that email for a while and the problem was that's one of the the main email i use for stuff like two-factor authentications and all of these other cyber stuff and that's the key email and it went down for over a month so uh just all, you know there's just all kinds of fun in technology world
1: uh i will say um, in fact if you have the ability to skype to my phone number that might work and that would give me a skype link or at least a text return path that i could type it in there for you also i have on my desktop here no. i think that drop that uh little v that you call the chevron is called a drop down and right. i think that's a perfect thing but this case is really important okay. for anybody like myself who has found themselves unlawfully without any fact-specific basis whatsoever on cool. a do-not-fly or a hit list for the government of a Terror Watch. I think and that. that case, uh, yeah, I
0: was going to say this story with her getting yanked out of that line, on top of what the other incident I had recently with the IT guy who told us this little insight um, is very revealing, okay? Um, and, and, uh, it's real important, uh, and, uh, I, we're just going to explore it more, but I'd like to get some definitive answers. I'm sure she wasn't conscious enough or in that setting didn't say, Hey, why'd you pull us out of this line and put us in this other one? Yeah.
1: Oh, sh- oh, crap. We're going to be interrogated. They can search. They're going to body cavity searches. I can see where all the sorts of spots that go through somebody's head in that scenario.
3: But, <laughs>
0: but but just think about it. Think about it. Why would an almost uh, low-level diplomatic immunity attach to you when you do this? Why?
1: Well, because it's a special status and that sets you apart from the Human cattle chattel of the small C federal citizen, slave, serfs, and uh, goyaim.
0: It's all that stuff doesn't apply to you anymore, see.
1: That's right. You're outside their sphere of control. You are immune.
0: And the old state citizen did, in essence, have diplomatic immunity.
1: Yeah, he was traveling to other countries. Now realize,
0: real realize that though, and there's some there's some uh, misinformation or disinformation. I don't know which it is, but that was given to Tom Schram, our friend Tom Schram, by Judge Anna, and he mm. was questioning her about this because he doesn't want to believe anything. I say applies and so he goes to her and she goes well tom she goes well tom why don't you go to the secretary of state of georgia and get a burgundy state passport Mm
3: -hmm. now that
0: uh, now okay what i would like to know is when did the states ever issue passports it's always been delegated to the federal government and we've got the proof all the way back to the Supreme Court case of 1835 you know the states got together and did things and gave delegated authority to the federal government that they couldn't all do individually they couldn't all have ambassadors to France they couldn't all have em- embassies all over the world they couldn't all have armies they, they had militia but they couldn't have all armed They delegated those collective responsibilities to the federal government in the early days, and it obviously issuing a passport was one of those.
1: Well, it goes back to the foundational precepts before the creation of Corp. U.S. Inc. in the United States when they were all sovereign several independent or not dependent state nations existing alone as their own countries within a geographical boundaries of the continental United States.
0: I would say even under the Articles of Confederation that the passports were issued, yeah. okay, oh. by, by one central authority. So uh, uh, anyway, that's just, those are the things that, gosh, bother me because that's just damn wrong information.
1: Let me share this uh, site for you because it's really critically important. It's the opinion and order from the Portland Division of the United States District Court for the District of Oregon, and it's ten hyphen Charlie Victor hyphen seven five zero hyphen B R, and this is Iman A Y M A N Latif L A T I F. And several other names, uh, Mohammed Sheikh Abdurrahman and Kar- Karari, and so on and so forth. And the plaintiffs are kind of interesting. It's Eric Holder Jr. in his official capacity as Attorney General of the United States, Robert S. Mueller III in his official capacity as the Director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and Timothy J. Healy in his official capacity as Director of the Terrorist okay. Screening Center.
0: Okay, I got. Let me tell Bob I'm going to get him right back. Go ahead, Chris.
1: Well, that, that's basically it. But this is a, a really interesting read because it gives you basically a menu, a template for removing yourself with lots of those uh, 26-string character parenthetical designators after the original citation to get yourself off the terrorist watch of the Do Not Fly hit list.
0: Okay, now this is a how-to guide, basically.
1: Well, effectually, it turns out to be, it's actually a Supreme Court decision, or district court decision, uh, that that there's another one here, and so it may, in fact, have gone to the Supreme Court, 3 10 hyphen cv zero zero 750 boy Rob document number 69
0: okay now you're going to utilize this case to try and apply these principles for yourself is what I'm gathering out of this well
1: I have a document already put together that's called a DHS Department of Homeland Security tip complaint although the Department of Homeland Security has effectually transmitted all the responsibilities to the abject corrupt domestic terrorist FBI, and I think oh, that geez. lies at the heart of my problem.
0: It may be. You may hit right at the right at the ventricle in the oracle there. Hey Bob, how you doing? Good morning, Bob.
1: Hello, sir. Morning, Mr. Chris. How are things
2: on the sunny Las Vegas strip, or do you try to avoid that?
0: Chris? Do you avoid the Las I'm, Vegas? I
2: say, yeah, I didn't quite make it clear. Study Well, it was just small talk, real fast. Uh, Roger. Sir. I'd like to pick and knit. You Uh-oh. know that. Uh-oh. <laughs> are
0: you going to go making me look bad <laughs> just, again?
2: No, no, not necessarily. I, I just take it as constructive. Um, you know, technically, it's not that the states can or couldn't, in that case, have embassies in other nations because they were other nations, but it's that they didn't need to. That is the point of forming the federal government as a servant. Yes. Which, of course, is long past. It's now the master. But it wasn't that they couldn't, it's that they chose not to, and they designate that position to the federal government in their place, as their proxy to streamline things. Sure. So my only point is you were saying they can't have, they can't have, they can't have, and Well, they can't that have that because it, it, it well it they was, can't
0: they can't well, have it. It's financially prohibitive.
2: Well it's no more financial prohibitive than Yugoslavia or the former you, you know now any new country, you know, puts diplomats out to other nations. It's no more prohibitive than that. But they chose to Well, if you want to say it that way, economize or streamline things by joining together in a confederation, even though they dropped that nomenclature after the confederation, the articles of confederation were, uh, they're still active, but they're unused. You know, they're still in the organic law. They're there. But. My, my only point is just that it wasn't a matter of camp. It's a matter of they chose a different route.
0: Well, I think... And, the, well, of course,
2: at this point, that route has been totally turned on its
0: head. Uh, when I use that word, I meant it really financially. Uh, they, they were having a hard time providing right. all the services, much less having their own ambassadors in every country of the world from every state. It's just not practical. Sure.
2: Well, if you want to look at it, it's not any different. Well, I shouldn't say it's not any. It's it's comparable to a cooperative where a bunch of farmers get together sure. and own things in common to do their marketing and do their, you know, uh there's more if if they're not, if they're bound together voluntarily. Yep. Not bound together by, you know, onerous contracts with a whip. They can do great things, and that's the point of the federal government. It, At its inception, it was to serve the states. And, of course, you say that in, in civics class today, and people just look at you funny. It's like, well, no, you're missing the point. The federal government's in charge. And, of course, in the administrative state, they are correct. It has taken a dominant position, but that was never the intent back in the day. So, yeah,
0: anyway. You know, I picked up a uh, talk about nits. I picked up an interesting little factoid listening to something this morning. Do you know what day Abraham Lincoln was assassinated on?
2: I cannot recall.
0: Chris, you know?
1: I frankly don't recall the day either, but I do remember it was at Ford's
2: Theater.
0: April 15th
2: say April 5, but it didn't... Yeah,
0: okay. I've often wondered why they picked April 15th for uh, Tax Freedom Day. (laughs) The Day of Holy Retribution. Yeah. I was listening to a video last night and it was JBS, which I don't
2: intend to see a lot of attention to, or at least I listened to it with a bit of a jaundiced ear, but this gentleman was bringing forward some things, and he was bringing up documentation to back it up, so it's, I, I, I tend to think it was valid, he was talking about secret societies in the formation of America, and the communist Illuminati tie-in with, you know, with Europe, and something that I did not understand, didn't realize is that Lincoln was a Rosicrucian. And so was Ben Franklin. And I just found that quite intriguing. I did not know that.
0: I don't know that I knew Lincoln was. I knew uh, Ben Franklin had all kinds of nefarious little deals going.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, was, I do recall
0: uh, some specificity. Go ahead, Chris. I,
1: just say, I do recall some specificity that uh, Lincoln was in fact a Jew suit or but His mother was Jewish or at least call herself Jews. Uh, Springsteen was her name, and so there's some pretty deep nefariosity, And of course, uh, John Wilkes Booth is fast. He could have been. He was Jesuit also, and may have been Opus Dei. So
0: uh, they were definitely in a. They were definitely in a spinoff of the Freemasons. I don't remember what they called it, but uh, uh, there was some association there. I I didn't know uh, Lincoln's mother was uh, was a Jewess.
1: Mm-hmm. Like Bruce Springsteen, her name was Springsteen, so it was well, kind of easy to remember.
0: Well, I mean, if if, if, if her if she was Jewish, he was a Jew.
1: Well, I'd have that. Well, of course, we still Minister Fazars. Go ahead,
0: Bob
2: i just say that's interesting. I'll have to do a little research
0: on that. Yeah, probably worth researching. Chris, one of the things I wanted to see if you could do, because you've got this unique opportunity here. Your passport is in process. Um, You can go to the State Department website, and I used to have this, I think. Uh, And while it's in process, there's a way for you to track where it is. Okay. And in that verbiage behind the veil at the State Department on this process, they literally say in two places and use the term citizenship evidence. And the first part I remember it says, "Your your if you send in another passport, your other passport and will be and this and that will be sent to you under separate cover." along with your citizenship evidence. I don't remember exactly how it uses it in context, but that's kind of what it's telling you. And then in the next paragraph, it references it again. But I think the terminology citizenship evidence coming from the back of the State Department is extremely significant. So what I was hoping Hi. that I might get you to do is to do that, and find those references, and there's a little thing in Windows called snipping tool, and you can snip what's on the screen and snip those for us.
1: Yeah, I think they call it a print screen. Uh, it's like No, a, no, no. Uh,
0: no, you go in. Here's how you access it. You go down there to Windows at that little thing on the bottom left, you know, where you click on mm-hmm. it, and then just type mm-hmm. in this, this phrase, snipping tool snipping tool and they've got a little tool in windows uh that you can then pin to your taskbar which is where i have mine because i use it constantly Mm -hmm. all right and that thing all you gotta do is whatever you wanna click off the screen. I want that, bam, boom, boom, and you can save it whatever you want to do. But it's a really handy little thing. I turned Deanna Spingola onto that a couple of years ago and I didn't talk to her for a while. And the next time we spoke, she said, I wanna tell you and thank you for turning me onto that snipping tool. She said, I use that thing every Day and you'll find it really useful. So, once again, you go down to the bottom there at Windows and just put in Snipping Tool, and that embed program will pop up.
1: When you uh, launched one of your sniping probes yesterday, and I want to affirm what you just said because I use that exact language uh, proof of citizenship or citizenship evidences, my affidavits and stuff with the passport agent. At their passport facility for travel.gov, that's here in Las Vegas. And I spoke about that specifically and told them they had to be physically aligned, attached, connected, stapled to the documents. And he'd, he cooperated, he did it, and he used those exact terms that they would be sent under a separate cover. The passport and the card would not be sent together.
0: Correct. And if the funny thing is, if you've got an already existing passport that's active, you got to send that in with the process, and then you got to use the renewal form. And they'll send your 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 usable your your current passport back to you. They'll just turn that around immediately, and then about another couple of days later, your new passport comes. So now you got two of them. Which one you want to use, the slave passport or the free passport?
1: The one I had was seriously expired uh, from 2007 and so it had other than it's still utilizable as proof of who you are to authenticate that you are who you claim you are as proof of evidence of your name and some people call them id although i think that relates to residency so i refuse to use that term of in fact individual in title 5 usc 552 i forget the parenthetical on it uh i think it might no, I don't, just don't remember, so I can't tell you. But it tells you an individual means a U.S. citizen. So that individual and resident, they both have that ID in the middle of them. And, in fact, it has a bi and the duel well, where they cut you into two and create that fictitious entity for you that they claim you are. So I'm very sensitive about the terms I use to descript myself. But they did take my, my expired passport as proof. And I didn't have to bring the birth certificate with the passport. That was what they told me on the travel.gov telephone helpline before I went down there. And so it was kind of a refreshing, relearning experience because I hadn't been there in a long time. And I know that we need to have current, actual boots-on-the-ground information. So I'm behind. to share that as critically and accurately as I proceed.
0: Okay. So if you've got an, uh, an, even an expired passport, you don't have to have the birth certificate.
1: That was what they told. See the, there's a case up in Washington state. I don't remember the citation on it, but I got it from, I think, um, Oh, I should be able to tell you the guy's name. He was kind of a, a uh, let's say, uh, he talks about the Patriots, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but on his site, he had it. And that even an expired passport, because it's officially government-authorized, authenticated-issued document, it can still be used for proving who you are or identification. Absolutely. Absolutely. It it can be done even though it's expired because it's originally authenticated.
0: Because I've heard of cases where it seems like I've been through, and they say, you can't use that, it's expired. Well, I said, well, hell, I'm not expired. I, that's, that's who right. I was when I got it. It doesn't make any difference. It shows who I am, you know. But, you know, Chris, Gus goes to show what we already know. There's a lot of idiots out there in the world. Go ahead.
1: Well, that last uh, near-deadly, uh, egregious abuse of deadly force, so-called tra- emergency traffic stop, the officer in his declaration of, and I insert, false arrest, where I put in a rebuttal and a vermin. He claimed that I had an altered passport. <laughs> I pointed out that I wanted to know where his qualification for being a document expert came from, and that my passport absolutely was not altered. Now, I may have changed a little since it was, inter- uh, since it was issued back in 2007, uh, now to 2019, and aging is a natural enhancement and process of growing older and being on the planet. But I assured him the passport was not altered, as he falsely testified, showing his lack of candor and credulity and uh, honesty. So he was obviously seriously challenged from true knowledge. <laughs>
0: he got on there on, in his paperwork, or, and made that. Oh, it looks like we're going to get cut off here. Made that declaration. All right. Just hold on. No, I guess we're back. Okay, good. He got on there and made Nothing that declaration that, that it appeared your passport had been authored?
1: Well, that's what he claimed. I don't know where he got that information or what made him think that other than it just suit, trying to make up everything incriminating and insulting and inflammatory he could possibly do to have multiple stacking charges to get lever rage against me uh, to use in court. But I took apart every one of his statements in the uh, a verment and rebuttal of his presumptions
0: well they're gonna be real interested to see how all your stuff turns out Chris um uh, if you could uh, go back there and and uh do and, and see that sometime in the next few days week maybe and snip those things for me it'd be nice for us to have those um be glad you're not up in Chicago today, buddy, or the northern Midwest. Somebody, yeah, I agree with. You. Somebody sent me a, a a Twitter thing yesterday. I think it was Greg found it and sent it to us. Guy, Clay Carroll is the guy's name up in Chicago. He's got himself a Twitter account, obviously. C a r r o l l. If you want to go check it out. And he walks outside, it shows him walking outside his house, Chris, and Bob, because I don't think I sent this to either one of you guys, and he's got a pan of, he's got a pan of boiling water. He just took off the stove and he goes out in the street and throws it up and it literally turns into a cloud and drifts off with the current of air. I mean, it's amazing. Now, I knew this because uh, when I was a kid, I lived in Alaska for four years, and you couldn't do that where I was in Anchorage, but they could do it up in Fairbanks because Fairbanks is inland, and it gets real cold up there. But this phenomena of taking the, – the air gets so cold that you could take boiling water and throw it out there, and it literally just evaporates into a cloud. Well,
1: absolutely. In fact, Probably that's freeze-drying – Go
2: ahead go ahead, Bob. may have a lot to do with the relative humidity when it's that cold, also that would tend to be really, really dry air.
0: oh, obviously,
2: yeah,
0: so anyway, just uh if you're not up there in the midwest and affected by this horrendous little cold finger coming down there, be grateful, and if you are we're sorry for you, stay warm, yeah.
2: I heard a, a comment. I heard a comment yesterday that the temperature at at the South Pole in Antarctica, the research station, was twenty four, twenty seven, something below zero, and it was warmer there than it was in Minneapolis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'm telling and, you, and that. I'm
2: thinking. Yeah, that's in the what? Yeah,
0: global solar minimum um saw an interesting there's a, a a film that kind of caught my eye um because it's very unusual and i'm not a big film guy by the way the the mule for robert if robert's listening the mule is playing down here and i'm going to try and go see it here on the next couple of nights um can't do it tonight because i got to do this thing for thomas but uh, this movie is going to be released in select theaters, and it's called "They Shall Not Grow Old." and it's a documentary and you know, along with this barrage of information and uh, exposure on World War I here as of late, this is in that vein. But what mm. these guys did, with all this technology we've got and colorization and all that kind of stuff, they went back and got all this old actual footage from the archives that I think was somehow taken by the British government back then, and they've gone through and digitized and colorized all that and made it. I saw a clip of it just all, just absolutely realistic from the old black and white kind of choppy things that you see but boy this looks really cool not that I like seeing all of that war stuff and people killing whatnot but the way this was done the significance of the event and the realization of this film being treated the way it's been is stunning So uh, keep an eye out for that if that's the kind of thing that interests you. It's called They Shall Not Grow Old.
1: That's uh, very interesting. Uh, I'm looking here while we're talking on JudicialWatch.org. That's Tom Fitton and Chris Farrell's site. Uh, Another one along with uh, Larry Clayman Freedom Watch, that I use for resources. Um, these are really, really critical things. There aren't very many attorneys in the United States. You know, they all claim they can do anything. Oh, yeah, 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 we'll get it. And they go around Westlaw or Pacer and they research a couple of cases and they go through the motions and act like they know what they're doing and give you the impression they're experts in whatever field you want to pay for. But basically anybody that has the ability to think critically and to do their own research can figure this stuff out. You don't need an attorney to do a lot of stuff, although in their bar courts it's pretty tough to get through there if you're not a bar-licensed attorney. Of course, it's not a license. It's really just a union dues ticket poses a license. So I always demand them to produce it, Uh, and then I'll challenge the efficacy of their statement claiming it's a license when it's not at all.
0: Uh, You know, Chris, two things come to mind. One, um, when I was in that six-month of paralegal school, we were taught by practicing attorneys. And one uh-huh. of the teachers in one of the modules got up there in front of the class and said, told us, he said, when you graduate, you'll know more than the attorney you're working for. Okay, now here's here's Doc Doc Gatton is calling, and I'm gonna have to hang up on him and see if I can reconnect with him now that we got a profile that works. So let's see here. While you're
1: doing that while you're doing that function to get back to Doc, I'll tell you that I also was doing pretty interesting investigatory research and due diligence yesterday and i i found some it, the things that you find when you're going down these paths that you don't expect it's just really astronomical and, and monumental the information you've come across and these different aspects of litigation and the criminality that's going on in our government is just beyond the pale. Most people would not conceive of how corrupt when the Department of Justice has become the Department of Crime and Injustice or no justice and they're obstructing justice stonewalling, refusing to release documents that they have a duty and obligation under the Public Records Act, Sunshine Act and the duty of Congress to oversee their activities as a legislative executive branch were actually, they're not part of government, they're actually a private, private profits corporations, posed as a having the color of government attached to them. But these are really, really insidious things that the FBI, Department of Justice, the Department of Defense, National Intelligence, CIA, NSA, BLM, all these agencies are private for profit private profits corporations and they're listed on Dunn & Bradford along with Corp. U.S. Inc., and your local county entities, their state, city, uh, municipalities, and justice centers, and so on and so forth, and sheriff's departments and uh, police departments, are all listed on Dun & Bradstreet.com or Manta.com. And you come up. Did you get Doc?
0: I don't know if we did or not. Doc, did we hook you in or not? I'm thinking Not. Yeah, he's got. I got three or four profiles for him, and I'm just so I try and call back the one, and there's there's not one that totally matches the one that shows up when he calls in. So try it so we again. Well, can
2: say the doctor is not in.
0: Well, he he's not he's not a doctor either. So
1: <laughs> well, if you want to call him I up can, and, well, I can.
0: Okay. Well, all right. Here's somebody else. We'll try <laughs> Shane here. Let's see if we can hook Shane. Shane. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, they have really screwed this up. Oh. Most of the time it works all right, though. We can, uh, seem to be able to get most everybody in here. Um, let's see if we can bring Shane in here. Shane, or you holler when you're on. Just Shane, are you there? It shows
2: you're going to mute out for a few minutes. I'll
0: be back. All right, Bob. Good. It's sh- Shane, it shows that you're there. Hola. Okay. There's Shane.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm here.
0: Okay. Good. Well, why did you appear here? Do you have a qu- a question, a comment? Are you just trying to throw us a line here and get this Skype thing straightened oh. out, figured out? What What's the deal? What's going on in Silicon Valley oh. today, Shane?
3: I would like to congratulate um, Chris for his due diligence in uh, getting the uh, affidavit or the passport application through the mail. Congratulations!
1: Thank you very much, you very much Shane. Mm-hmm. I'd like should have done it a long time ago. Yes, you're right. Impossible.
3: I've been uh, dozing off. I turned it on at, I guess, 8 a.m., and somehow I dozed off, and I'm now awake. And now I want to say thanks, Chris. Also, I'd like to say that last the last two nights, I believe, the other night, the, um, I believe. Uh, President Donald Trump has put us on or put us on to a gold standard. He has that on his um, tweet. Um, huh. thing. So if you're friends with uh, Donald Trump and you can find out all the stuff he's been saying within the last what, um, week, you can find out what he stated that he has turned on to the gold standard.
0: I haven't seen anything on that yet, Shane. But I don't follow his Twitter feed.
1: Right. I've heard All saying right. some rumblings, kind of subsilencio below the silence, if you will, not quite below silence, that he might be restoring to the original Leisure seventeen eighty-seven Constitution for the yes. United States of yes. America, and going back, and maybe that what return to lawful monum. And some recent changes in chewing posteriors out of Powell at the uh, so-called uh, Federal Reserve, his new appointee, is really quite interesting.
0: you Mr. Powell. Mm-hmm. Well, I, my mm-hmm. feeling is we're getting real close to something catastrophic here. It just, it, last time I was going to open the show, we're one day closer to something catastrophic. Because it's coming. Okay, You can just see it building everywhere. Um, no, so all we can do is just prepare the best we can. And I'm pretty sure everybody listening to these words is prepared to some extent, hopefully, uh, to the fullest, but I'm sure that's not the case, but to some extent, if for nothing else, we know something's coming. There's a lot of people that don't even realize that. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. What else did I have here? Would you like, would y'all like to hear the Bitcoin transactions? Here you go well. Uh,
1: what i I going for? That'd be important.
0: Here's here's every every Bitcoin transaction in the world in real time. Now that hear that big ah uh, that kind of orchestra sound right there. And every tone represents a different value. Now, what's going across my screen screen right now are two blocks have been created. So even when a, when a block is finished and they add it onto the blockchain, they show you the block and what its number is and what its size is and all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, there's two of them right there, and then every one of those little ding dong ding 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 is a transaction, but there's a lot more of the bubbles on the screen than the tones that you hear. And the tone, the tone value is a representation of the size. And so the deeper tones, I'll wait till one of them comes. Here's one coming along here, I think. Here the dong, dong. There's one for 565 Bitcoin drifting across the screen. I saw one yesterday, Shane, for three thousand. Three thousand Bitcoin going across the screen. There's one for 178. There's one for 225. You can go look at this on what's the name of it? Bit BitListen. B I T Listen. L I S T E N Listen, dot com. And it's a really, really cool site. Okay and it taps it right off of the the you know the the blockchain that does all of the mining for bitcoin so it's got every transaction in the world on here in the amount of bitcoin or you can toggle it over to dollars but what's amazing about this and i mean amazing is the predominance of bubbles that are 0.01 0.01, 0.02. Now that's not too much, okay? Mm-hmm. You saw, so, okay, so Shane's, right. Shane's got it going on, okay? See all those ones, Shane? You got it on too, Chris? I,
1: I do. I must say it uh, is the only site that comes up, not like usual when you get 20 or different ads with everything else when you put in bitlisten.com it's the only one that comes up so there's no decision which one to click
0: nope and uh, but no what both of y'all are looking at this and it's a fascinating little site and you can turn the volume off on the tones but what i want you to notice is look at all the ones that are small amounts point 0.01, 0.01, 0.01, 0.01, i just see them everywhere see
1: do you think those are maybe Network and no, no. Data miners?
0: John told us what they were the other day on Monday. They're people That's that I are they were
2: really
0: they're they people. All these companies around the world that are building blockchains. This is how they're experimenting on the blockchain they're building is by throwing amounts through it, and they use small amounts. So what you're seeing is the foundation being built worldwide. That's going to really have an effect years down the line. You're seeing it right here on the screen with all those .01s, .01, .02, .04. Also, when they're as they're putting all the things online, like property, so that you'll be able to buy and sell a house down the line, years down the line, in one day. As every time you put property online, in that. In that capacity, you have to uh, uh, attach it with, with an amount, too. So it costs them a little bit to put the property on there, evidently. So what you're seeing is all these blockchains around the world being built and perfected, and you're seeing property being put on the entire system with these low amounts on there. Pretty interesting, isn't it?
2: Very. Hey, Roger. Hey, Bob. Yeah, I'm back. Say, I don't know if this was talked about in my absence since you switched over to Cybers, but the whole thing with uh, Carrot KBC, uh, there was some video, and I actually didn't get to watch the whole thing. I got interrupted and never got back to it, but something about the 31st, which is today, of course. Is that uh, some significant deadline in the... 30 yes, percent or thirty five percent extra. Yes, they had a, a
0: Cheryl Ann had gotten it extended to today uh, because, quite frankly, when they had it ex- the deadline around the this uh, around Christmas, she was absolutely about to lose her mind and begged them to yeah. extend it. So they extended it till today. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've never been able to follow up on it. I'm pretty sure. I don't know whether they require the photo or not, Bob. Uh, but people that are in that that haven't touched any coins in their wallet, get a hold of that video and maybe even send them one. Evidently, they can see your registry of your wallet when you send them that coin and they can trace that address back. So maybe you don't need the snip of it a year back last year anymore. I just don't know, Bob, honestly
2: yeah well like I this this is a month old now, and it's I'm starting to lose track of what I even did but yeah, yeah i I never had any clarity whether I had actually achieved what I needed to or not or whether I was even eligible because I hadn't taken the screenshot and sent it to them, but I guess obviously if I could get in on the thirty five percent that would be a good deal, but I haven't figured out what's well, in
0: that video, he just said, send one coin into some address and find it, and, and then you'll be, if you qualify, you'll get rewarded in March. Right. And but, I took coins out of my you know, wallet. See, I took, I took coins out yeah. of my wallet, so it didn't even apply to me.
2: Right. And I had managed to keep both of mine untouched. But the thing is, on that site for CarrotBit.io, I believe, Uh, it said, you know, send the coins. And it never told you how or never gave you any way to do it. So I clicked on, I sent them, and it put me onto the next screen as if I had. And I couldn't figure out, you know, the whole deal just confused me.
0: Well, I I've got so confused with it a year ago, I just kind of threw my hands (laughs) up, really, you know. And yeah. we got our coins, we'll sit back, we're all going to do very well on them, and so be it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, I'm just curious if you had any more. No, hell, I wish I did.
0: I, I, it just, the whole thing aggravates me, and it aggravates me even more, Bob, because I understand why they had to do it that way. And why they had to do it that way yeah. is this damn fraudulent system that I fight here every day of my life.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was uh, reading several Zero Hedge articles over the day, and in in several cases, things came up about citizenship and how it affected this, that, or the other. Doug Casey had an article on carrying precious metal across international borders. You may have read. I didn't. And uh, it was on it was on uh, Zero Hedge. But anyway, you, you know, it all had to do with the fact that. You know, yeah, as a citizen, you're under their thumb, and here's what happened. And, of course, we know there's other options.
0: I think that you can carry as long as you declare it. It's when you don't declare it and they catch you with it that you got problems. And the reason I can tell you that is because my, uh, my deceased friend who owned that property in Argentina. And in Argentina, everybody wanted dollars. That's what, if you were going to buy anything, you had to do dollars. Well, he bought this pretty big piece of property down there, $200,000, a little more. And he carried down, he took the money out of the bank in Atlanta and carried it down on the flight. And he, he did all the paperwork. Okay. Cause he had that much. And Rick, my friend was one of the guys, he's going to follow all the rules anyway. So, uh, but later on, he told me, he said, Roger, nobody said do to me, man. I walked right through, walked right in, gave him the paper, this, that, and the other. No problems, no hassles. But he declared it.
1: You know, there's some really important aspects to that. Dr. Jennifer Daniels, I think you know pretty well, Roger. Yeah, well, a little She's bit. down there, somewhere down there. She was about. She ran into... Yeah, she ran into FinCEN, and she lawfully transferred her own funds that she earned from working and stuff. And she had a new supposed love of her life down there that was a building contractor, and they were setting up a building contracting company, so they had a legitimate purpose. Of course, in Panama, they like to create the illusion and fabricate the hypothecation that any money you transfer down there is for illicit purposes, whether it's cocaine, marijuana, or drugs, or sex trading, or whatever else, you know, this fabrication, they call it constructive crimes, where they structure up, uh, in fact, Sidney Powell was on uh, quite a few of the talk shows yesterday, you know, Talking about liar and his pit bull hitman uh, Andrew uh, Weisman, I think his name is, who uh, Muleyer runs everything by Weisman. They work really close together, and he was the one that brought down Arthur Anderson in the Enron family. Uh,
0: I got, I and can play, it's... I can play the whole video on that. I've still got it queued up.
1: Right. I got, well, I it got... was quite a
0: good. I, it was a it's an interview with uh, Levin Mark Levin, who used to yeah, be with, in, with Hannity, right. talking to a real big right. time high assistant U.S. attorney. You guys, you oh, want to yeah. hear that? You want to? You think? Should I play a little bit of that?
1: Well, you can let me let me give you the Reader's Digest so the people know what to listen for. But basically, what they did is they took two non-crimes uh, descriptors. And they put them together and they invented a new crime yep. to bring them down with. Yep. Mosley, and it was dismissed and turned over to the Supreme Court. And uh, they, com- uh, full, I think it was a complete, full Supreme Court rebuke of this false, preposterous charge that they had destroyed the Arthur Anderson firm. And the boys.
0: and put eighty-five thousand people out of work at Arthur Anderson. Yeah. And they when it got to the I Supreme think. Court, they said there's no crime here. You combine two statutes. Let me let me play a little bit of this. The whole clip is about sixteen minutes long, uh, but the, the, it's a it's a very authoritative clip from the source here. Let me make sure I got the right one. It's not over yet. I think this is the right one. Let's see here. Right, let's see Ten if the. Years. Yep.
4: You worked in three federal districts under nine Uh, different United States attorneys. Hold on, let me get the volumes. That they change over (laughs) the course of time when a new administration comes in or what have you. And these U.S. attorneys were appointed by presidents of both parties. Exactly.
0: And you also have. Let me start that again here, young. That's the best volume I can get, kids. Hello,
4: America. I'm Mark Levin. This is Life, Liberty, and Levin, a great guest. (laughs) Sidney Powell, how are you, my friend?
5: Great, thank you. It's an honor to be here.
4: My honor. Former federal prosecutor, you were, in fact, this is quite remarkable. You worked at the Department of Justice for 10 years. You worked in three federal districts under nine different United States attorneys. It's not that you change. It's that they change (laughs) over the course of time when a new administration comes in or what have you. And these U.S. attorneys were appointed by presidents of both parties, right? Exactly. And you also have been counsel, lead counsel, in more than 500 federal appeals, 350 of them as an assistant United States attorney and appellate section chief in the western and northern districts of Texas. I just want our audience to know how significant that is, how impressive that is, because there's a lot of brilliant assistant United States attorneys out there. And you were one of them. Thank you. And. I want to take a very very close look at Robert Mueller's office. A lot of people focus on Robert Mueller and they should. But this Fengalian there, my word, is the number two guy who Mueller relies on for everything. Andrew Weissman. So let's focus a little bit on Andrew Weissman so the American people know who he is and knows who really is the, uh, in many cases, the Wizard of Oz. Tell us about Andrew Weissman.
5: Well, I have called Mr. Weissman the poster boy for prosecutorial misconduct because Mueller had a role in handpicking him for head of the Enron Task Force and appointing him to that position. And what was Mueller at the time? Mueller was in the FBI at the time. He was the director of the FBI. Yes. So he picks Weissman to handle the Enron case. Yes. Uh, Weissman was deputy director at the time when they first started under Leslie Caldwell, who was the chief of the Enron Task Force when it was first created in the collapse of Enron. So they set about and targeted Arthur Anderson to begin with, the venerable accounting firm. So they're investigating Enron. Yes. And they target Arthur Anderson. Yes. For what? For destroying evidence is what they called it. But they did it by making up a crime, by combining two separate statutes to create a crime out of something that wasn't. So they destroyed Arthur Anderson. They knew they were going to destroy the company. They now, how did they destroy Arthur Anderson? By indicting it. They indict Arthur Anderson because they're the financial advisors to Enron. Exactly. They were the auditors and financial advisors to Enron. And they they
4: manufacture a crime by combining two different statutes. Exactly. And at that time, how many people worked for Arthur Anderson?
5: Eighty-five thousand people worked for Arthur Anderson. Eighty-five thousand people. And Weissman was the lead investigator. He was the lead prosecutor on that case.
4: And he reported, in part, he informed the director of the FBI at the time, Mueller.
5: Yes. Okay. Well, what did they do? Well, they knew they were going to destroy the company when they indicted it because Anderson represented 2,500 publicly traded companies, and no auditor who represents publicly traded companies can function as an auditor when they're indicted. So they sealed the indictment for a week while they. Bye, 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 bye. They indict them,
4: seal the indictment for the week. A week. Yes, that's absolute disaster for accountants, auditors, financial advisors.
5: Yes. Okay. And they worked behind the scenes during that week to avoid upheaval in the markets so that when they announce the indictment and unseal it publicly, the, the markets are not as disruptive as they would have been if they had just indicted them publicly immediately. What so did
4: they indict Arthur Anderson for?
5: They indicted them f- under a witness tampering statute. And the way they did it, they took, essentially, it took criminal intent out of the process. And in fact, when the Supreme Court later got the case, Justice Rehnquist wrote the decision for the majority, well, for the unanimous Supreme Court, and said it was shocking how little criminal culpability the jury instructions had required, and that the Anderson had not committed a crime at the time. So Anderson gets caught up in the Senron case.
4: Weissman must know that there wasn't mens rea, or criminal culpability. He indicts the entity, which for a major international corporation is a disaster to begin with, because then you get documents subpoenaed and so forth. You have to be searching your computers and your records here and all over the world and so forth. So it creates great tumult in a company. Completely. And that in and of itself, depending on the nature of the subpoenas and the indictment and so forth, can, can freeze a company. And so here's this company, Arthur Anderson, that's in the business of protecting other companies. They're auditors, they're accountants, they're financial advisors, and they're being accused of what? Witness tampering?
5: Yes, an obstruction of justice under two different statutes that combined created this new offense because there wasn't one. Anderson had not been subpoenaed for any documents at the time. Anderson was cleaning up his files and proceeding to get ready for the investigation. So they just made up a new offense by combining the two different statutes. Now, do you call the name of the federal trial judge that was involved in the case? Melinda Harmon in Houston. Melinda Harmon in Houston. And then I assume they appealed it? Anderson did appeal it and what happened on appeal the fifth circuit affirmed it on appeal Affirmed it
4: then they appeal it to the United States Supreme Court, which takes the case which is relatively rare. Yes And the justices look at this you mentioned Rehnquist and they say wait a minute There's no criminal Intent there's no criminal culpability This isn't even really a statute The instructions were faulty and what did the Supreme Court rule?
5: they reversed it unanimously unanimously
4: every justice said no exactly what happened to mr. Weissman since he led the case
5: Oh absolutely nothing Uh, mr. Weissman went on to become director of the Enron task force Mm -hmm. in fact he had already by that time by the time Anderson was reversed he had already turned his sights on the Merrill Lynch defendants in what was called the Enron or Nigerian barge case and indicted four Merrill Lynch executives on a multi-count indictment in which they also made up a crime. I want to get to that in a minute. What happened to Anderson? Anderson was destroyed the minute it was indicted. It collapsed. It collapsed. Not only was it under criminal indictment, so it lost all its clients, but I think 160 civil plaintiffs piled on in multiple lawsuits. So it was crushed. All those people lost their jobs. Exactly. Investors lost all their money. All the partners
4: lost their money. They lost everything on a case that was reversed 9 to 0 by the United States Supreme Court that Mr. Weissman was in charge of.
5: Yes, and Anderson had been known to be the hallmark, the benchmark for accounting standards. Anderson was the gold standard for accounting, a venerable accounting firm. Merrill Lynch, you mentioned.
4: Was Weissman involved in that? Oh, yes. What
5: happened to Merrill Lynch? Merrill Lynch was indicted, well, not the company, but I think one of the reasons they indicted Anderson was to send a message to other companies that if they knocked on your door, if the Enron Task Force knocked on your door, you'd better cooperate or you could be destroyed and given the death penalty just like Anderson was. But even
4: if you you don't know anything and you didn't do anything.
5: Exactly. That's the power. That is the power. That a handful of prosecutors have.
4: Yes. And you even see it, Today with the indictments with Mueller hands-down indictments. It's all one-sided people need to understand the other side doesn't have any say in it They haven't had a chance to respond to it Nothing's happened, but a group of government lawyers have decided to charge somebody or some entity with crimes That's the beginning of the process It's not the end of the process and I want to pursue this with you a little bit more later Because the media treat it as uh, well. That's it But I want to talk about these executives with Merrill Lynch. What happened to them?
5: Well, essentially Merrill Lynch offered them up as sacrificial lambs and entered into a non-prosecution agreement with the government on behalf of Merrill Lynch the company that was extremely onerous. In fact, they agreed to have an overseer from the Enron Task Force installed in Merrill Lynch for a period of 18 months to oversee everything, including the bills that the defense lawyers were submitting, Uh, They agreed that no Merrill Lynch employee could say anything that contradicted the government's view of the prosecution, which was absolutely astounding and, I think, illegal. Uh, And then the Merrill Lynch executives... So
4: the the government secretes itself within the company it's investigating. Yes. To oversee the bills that they're paying their defense
5: counsel. Yes. And everything else that's going on in the company. Sounds
4: thoroughly unconstitutional
5: these four executives they're indicted what happens to them Uh, their lives are destroyed they went through a 10-year period of unmitigated hell there was the investigation and then they're indicted and then they face trial the trial was a circus i detail it at length in my book this book yes license to lie yes They were tried in Houston in the wake of the... Enron. In in the wake of the Enron collapse. People were angry. People were furious. Anderson had just been convicted, Mm -hmm. so there was all the uproar about that. Uh, All of Houston was in turmoil because of the collapse. So what happened to these four? They were all convicted. Mm -hmm. The lawyers for the defense were like deer in headlights most of the time. They were blindsided at every turn. By the government? By the government. They had made repeated requests for what's called Brady material. Mm-hmm. Because the government holds all the cards in Brady a criminal material. prosecution, Yeah, the government is legally, constitutionally, and ethically required to produce any evidence that is favorable to the defense that's, mm-hmm. that is within Did the government's possession or within its reach, oh no. They steadfastly denied that there was any such Brady material. Mm-hmm. When the defense kept making demand after demand after demand, the judge at the time, Judge Ewing Worline, who was assigned the Merrill Lynch case, uh, finally uh, uh, made the government produce a list of people that they had admitted might have some Brady material, And then upon further demand, he finally ordered the government to produce summaries of that material. When we come back, I want to know ultimately what happened to these four
4: executives. then I want to continue to examine Mr. Weissman, because it's very, very crucial. And beyond that, how this special counsel's office is operating. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, most weeknights you can watch me on Levin TV, Levin TV. Go to blazetv.com slash mark. I hope you'll sign up there. blazetv.com slash mark. Or give us a call at 844 Levin TV, 844 Levin TV. We would love to have you. Yeah, all
0: right. I think that's about the pertinent okay. part of that, guys. Um, anybody still there?
1: I am. i, I I've got some comments. I,
0: I mean, I'm telling you, there's a mouthful said in that interview right there now the lady is quite respectable and i just caught on this second time of watching it her book is called licensed past tense licensed to lie and i loved her comment on weissman being the poster child of prosecutorial misconduct
1: you know Chris, roger i have Half to point, everyone listening, uh, Shane also. Thank you, Shane, for your kind comments. Thank you. Thank um, you. la- early this morning, about 1.30, I woke up because I went to bed early because I was kind of exhausted from all the uh, official realities I was conducting yesterday and frustrations of trying to get notaries on some documents and so on and so forth. And So I, I got up this morning, and I was reading some documents I've had for a long time, and the first part of it was on the front was an inventory report on jurisdictional status of federal areas within the states, and it talks about the uh, absolute, exclusive, federally protected jurisdiction, concurrent jurisdiction, and other aspects. So on, so forts, forth. arsenal,
0: uh, forts, arsenal, and needful buildings.
1: Yes, the Article One, Section the Article One, Section Eight, Clause Seventeen, uh, explicitly enumerated purposes of government property holdings within the states. And But also, in relation to that, behind it, I didn't have it uh, clearly delineated in my observations, but what I did find in there was a treatise on U.S. versus Williams, Scalia's decision, talking about the purpose of the grand jury uh, being, effectively, the people, the American people's oversight for the judiciary and the other offices and agencies of government. In their actual American common law grand juries. And it's a very uh, intriguing read. It was not a light read, I will tell you, and only the most diligent and motivated, like myself, to do it. And that case is uh, 112 Supreme Court 1735, and that's three, excuse me, five, let me move my little flag here so I can see it, 504 U.S. 36, and 118 lawyers edition 2D 352 US versus John H Williams What year 90 uh that's 1992
0: Mhm
1: And this really goes through it tells you about some other uh cases you never hear about there's the Brady Act there's also US versus Giglio. there's Bundy Aguro, uh and there's another one. That I'm oh Graham and Page, and there's some other ones.
0: Not Lisa but Page.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, I'd have to tell you. It looked to tell you which page it is. No no no, uh, no, 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 no. But this is a really good primer and tells you on the purposes and the uh, the supposed autonomy of the grand jury. Although it does mention that the grand jury is actually an instrumentality of the prosecution, because there's no defense in there whatsoever. It's strictly the prosecution building the case. And the grand jury is supposed to be the vindicator of rights and the precluder and intervener to protect against unlawful prosecutions to protect the people. It's supposed to be the people protecting the people with the concept of the grand jury process, although this species particularly says that the grand jury has effectively become an instrumentality of the prosecution and when you have poster children for prosecutorial abuse, as in that case with Andrew Weissman and New Liar, and in the cases that I've been dug into here that are their cases of trying to fling the blame on me, it becomes clearly evident that and I have some recent experience with that, but I can't talk specifically about those because they threaten me but with my life apparently. But I can tell you things I've learned before and since, and that's what we're talking about right now, and Judicial Watch is a great source. uh, There's also another book called um, uh, Obstruction of Justice that's just come out by a young fellow. It's a dilly investigator, and he's putting a lot.
0: Okay, putting a lot. He's putting a lot. It was the last we heard. We'll get him back here in a second, I think.
1: An right. And it is actually oh, a complete okay.
0: justice
3: system.
0: Hold on, you're going to have to go back and repeat that all over again. Let me do my little thing here. Oh, this is one of the you know tomorrow maybe the very last day we have to put up with this crap. Okay, you were talking. Hold on, we're going to now we're re- reconnected back to the server. Uh, Chris, all, all that what you said over the last minute was lost. Whoa.
1: Well, not a problem. What I was doing was reiterating that besides Sidney Powell's Lie Sins to Lie book, there's also one called Obstruction of Justice.
3: Did she write
1: that, too? No, no, it's a different writer. He's another young investigator like ourselves out there beating the woods and the bushes, searching the weeds, if you will, uh, for these criminality by the so-called criminal justice system Uh, where they basically perverted the whole legal system to the bar's control. That's a violation of the separation of powers doctrine because they have the legislative, the judicial, and the executive branches all within the bar, and bar agents are filling all those positions. And that's a definite threat to the national security and public safety of America because it has become a criminal cabal reigning over America with almost complete abject total unbridled
0: they've
1: and and they've destroyed our justice system here in why? America why? Because they're greedy criminals and they want it no off.
0: that's not that it was man. my why was to the earlier part of your soliloquy, okay? How?
2: How which?
0: How have they accomplished everything you good. just uh, – how are they – have they accomplished, and how are they doing everything you just led up to?
1: Well, if you remember the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, where they basically replaced the Titles of Nobility Act, course, it's still in the 8th and 9th Amendments of the original de jure constitution, the articles thereof, and two, as um, Titles of Nobility and No Honorariums and Foreign Agents Registration Act, 1940 – this is how they do it, because we, the stupid American sheeple, keep voting the flipping bar agents into it's these offices b- it, because they're artful spinners
0: of No, that's not the answer. The American okay. people who are serfs put these both these people in, and they get these people appointed in the administrative state to oversee, guess what, the serfs. If the serfs weren't there, the people wouldn't be there, because they wouldn't have anybody is- to oversee. They'd be out doing legitimate law. Just
1: like our Go
0: ahead. I was gonna say just like our gal that got yanked out of the line.
1: Yes. Well there's even a more uh devious aspect to it is because those serfs only have the illusion of a vote basically being giving their proxy vote because they're registering as US citizens And that's how these people are able to surreptitiously, through the secret executive services, secret Secret senior executive services, this supranational autonomous above the president uh, contrivance of Christine Marcy McConnell, um, who created this abuse of the administrative state, Philip Drew Administrator, under FDR and Colonel uh, Colonel Edwin Mandel House
0: all that stuff we talked about the the our our friends our female friend's name is virginia so tag that to the yeah. state okay uh so uh, uh but that's what virginia experienced i believed uh, whatever ha- caused that agent to have a lapse of sanity there and even a little bit of uh of a sense of urgency, because of from what Thomas said, the guy like ran over there to get him. He didn't just walk over calmly or whistle, "Hey, you, Virginia." He didn't. He, he ran over there and tapped him and grabbed him back. Is what we were told. I'll find out more about sure, that tonight. Uh, but that's interesting. And the reason all that happens that none of the that <coughs> excuse me, I'm gonna have to cough here, dead gummit. I tell you. The reason the administrative state grew and developed was because the serfs were already in place from the bankruptcy.
1: Well, they didn't know they were serfs. They pulled the. Wind well, of course
0: not. Uh, no, of course they don't know they are. That's the whole. <laughs> that's the key to pulling the whole scam off. He gives them legitimacy.
1: Well, you can't be a legitimate. You can't be legitimate when you've done an unconscionable act of of black magic and made slaves out they of can, all free people they, and they're free.
0: they can and their in their lack of morality and their training that tells them from their holy book on up that they're supposed to be able to enslave everybody. See that's the that that what constantly gets me is where's all this coming from? How, how does this consensus among this group of people over here take effect? Where are they getting it all? Well, it's in that religious training because it's in that damn Babylonian Talmud. And that's what Jesus got so PO'd about, except it wasn't written down. He couldn't call it the Babylonian Talmud. He had to call it the tradition of the elders because it was passed down from father to son orally because it was so heinous. Do you understand why it was passed down from father to son orally? It wasn't because they couldn't write. it's because the damn thing is so heinous. And that shows you they got consciousness about it right there. And you say they don't know right from wrong. Hell, they don't. They didn't write the damn thing down for 500 years. So you know, but that's where it's all coming from. Is there the things they learn in that and exposed to in that damn Babylonian Talmud? It's like my listener who was married to the Jewish guy, the big uh, son of a big doctor, up in Chicago. You know, And at six years old, he sends him to the synagogue school, probably Reformed Judaism, I'm sure. They send him to the Reformed Judaism synagogue school. And the rabbis up there, these young kids, impressionable at that age, going, you're better than everybody else. You're better than everybody else. You're better than everybody else. Why? Because you can do little sneaky shit like this and pull all this crap off and enslave them in a way they don't understand and get the upper hand.
1: Roger, uh, Lark from Texas, I think you remember him from the Republic Broadcasting Network. Yeah, yeah, Lark. He did an expose yesterday morning that was stellar on the uh, Mishnah, the Zohar, the Kabbalah, the Talmud, all these different so-called Jewish texts from the ancient Egyptian and Pharisaical elite classes of these uh, Caiaphas and these other black-robed priests of Baal. Who have created this Zionist uh, deception of the world. And this is really, really insane. And, and it's, it's, you know, that people would buy these lies of this Zionist cult posing itself as a religion is just beyond the pale of a lunacy that we would fall down these lines with the help of Schofield and his uh, Zionist funded piece of tripe of his so called Bible where he created the mythos of the Judeo-Christian myth, trying to create the illusion that we're all supposed to serve these so-called fake Jews. That's their words, not mine, uh, at least the Jew part. And uh, they are fakes for sure, because they're really the synagogue of Satan posing as a religion.
0: Well, I was going to say, good to hear that Lark's doing good. Uh, Lark's a very intellectual guy, and where uh, I think... I used to have him on. had him on as guests. His stuff called in occasionally. I've been hearing him for years. and um, But the last time he was stuck on this communitarianism thing. Oh, what do you, it's so different. It's this community. You need to study that. You're not talking about it enough. I said, hell, it ain't no different from all the other ones. It's just a new one.
1: Well, Zionism is communitarianism, and it's reflexive law. It's all this stuff that they can make up in their tripe and their so-called... Uh, spoken rabbi, rabbi, rabbinical crap, Uh, these uh, so-called elders who are Eldarkons who rely on everybody and make their own self-serving interest and pose it out there as religious stuff and try to put everybody under their spell of Svengali, like uh, Mr. Levine talked about.
0: Well, uh, you know, I want to go. What, what I try and cover here in, with my own life, and uh, and that I try and teach the people out there that are listening to what we say here, is don't don't get distracted off in that crap. You you know, p- spend your time where it's important and where it means something. And what means things is this nexus that you're born into this condition, and. A to understand it and B both sides cuz you've been up to this point on one side now you're going to learn about the other now you know about both okay but that whole nexus right there and the fact that that ge- that's the justification for everything you they're doing that we're all that people are bitching about if if the fact that the people hadn't been changed into this condition none of that other stuff would exist
1: well, and you can think the uh, 1913 crap, the 1861 crap, the judiciary, the experimental jurisprudence, and Henry Oliver, uh, all this stuff and appliances by the bar or
2: off
0: uh, But you know what? None, uh, none, that stuff's good to know about, and it's good to understand and get it in perspective. But as long as what you need to understand is the mechanism and how what it happened, how it happened, how the mechanism works, and how to undo it. You concentrate on those things right there. And you're not wasting your time. You're focusing like a laser beam on the things that are most critically important to not only this whole scheme, but your future.
1: I certainly agree with you, Roger, although it does assist in teaching people who have a thirst for knowledge and being conversant and articulate in these Uh, concepts of how we got there and the deviosity they used to do it
0: I don't have any problem with that Chris and I understand that that but but a lot of our people get so wrapped up in that that they don't get down to the essence and that's when they start reaching out and they reach out because they don't have any concrete answers and understanding, they reach out and grab these things that are not only uh, wrong, but of uh, detrimental. Uh, the Social Security number, don't have one of those. Uh, it's Admiralty law. Uh, all those, all those very, very detrimental pieces of mis and disinformation to keep people away from the truth. And then the problem is they take it to such heart. But oh, I read it somewhere. Well, I know that's true. Okay, that you can't get it out of their heads.
1: Well, this is true, in fact.
0: Do what, Shane?
3: You're You're exactly right. Go ahead, Shane. Oh, yeah, they are indoctrinated. They don't understand the concept of why they are here. Well,
0: they they don't don't understand. There's a whole bunch of stuff they don't understand. That being part of it. But the problem is there you know, it goes back to the old uh, uh the old saying, the mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. <laughs> So anyway, well, that's what we strive to do here, and uh, we'll be doing it tonight on this special call with Thomas. As Thomas out in Texas has got us hooked up with this, Uh, if any of you want. And I'm going to approach this a little different tonight, Chris and Shane, because I feel like I've made some progress in being able to simplify the explanation. And so because we've got a limited amount of time on the call, I think an hour, and Virginia's going to come on and talk also, I believe, um, about her experience that we've only relayed secondhand, um, that uh, I thought I'd approach it with this Brown versus Board of Education. I'm approaching it from the end rather than the beginning now. And I think that's much clearer and more concise, and I, that's the way I thought I'd I'd do that tonight uh, for my own edification and because I think it's probably the best way to do this, and I'd like to practice it a bit. So I'll put the information, if any of you that are listening here today want to join that call tonight, it's at 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. And there's a, it's one of these uh, uh, conference calls site deals and so i will get you you can either call on the computer or call on your phone i think but you can't ask questions there's a chat room you can pose questions in a chat room i'm told but we can't take calls per se but uh, i'll put all that information on the show description from today's show over on cast box c-a-s-t-b-o-x dot f-m FM. It's like that old Steely Dan Steely Dan song. FM cast box. That's right, no (laughs) static at all. And look for the little downward pointing carrot, or uh, what? What'd you call it? You called it something else. uh, Access thing.
2: Uh, Down.
0: Yeah, drop-down menu. Well, it doesn't have you. It drops down. When you click on that little Chevron, the show description pops up, and the information will be at the bottom of the one today, as it is already existing over there right now. As these sounds leave my lips, it's existing over in yesterday's show. So uh, you can check it there, too. And uh, we may have hey, some Roger. new listeners. We get some new listeners out of all this. Yes, Bob Robert.
2: I I equate cast box with broadcast, which is still gets the point across, of course, casting and that, or broadcast. But I was like, that little memory peg on cast box was to broadcast.
0: Right. Right. That's cast probably the way. Cast. And it, I don't know if it's Chinese or whoever's got it set up, but I sure am glad they got it set up because it gives us uh, uh, some extra tools. And. Um, sure. Yes, point, or it could be also called, Bob, point-multi-point broadcasting. Yep. So, let's see, what else? Did you get to hear any of that uh, interview with Mark Levin and that prosecutor, Bob?
2: I did. Makes you want to chew nails or put your hands around somebody?
0: (laughs) Well, it shows you the level of... It shows you the level of corruption and control, especially within in, in DOJ and FBI and Department of Justice. Uh, and, and to have this guy, and we heard what he did, and, and 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 his work product was overturned above him. Not only was it overturned, it was overturned unanimously. You know how hard it is. Do you know how hard it is to get those nine people to agree on anything?
2: <laughs> yeah, they <It's> were impossible. <laughs> There's a no reason to send him down the road because he's good for something. Yeah, that's just tragic.
0: And here he is as Mueller's right-hand man. So you can see the tactics that are being used against uh, Roger Stone and the attorney up in New York where his, his house was kicked in the middle of the night. You can see where all that's coming from. Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, Roger, I watched uh, Joe, Joe, Joe Genova of Genova and Tonesing, Victoria Tonesing, his wife, the law firm and former U.S. attorney for New York. And he was talking about this. And this militant, this was a crisis event managed staged production for effect, for fire for effect by these legal terrorists under the Mueller-Weisman Ah, uh, tutelage, and the new Matthew Whitaker, Chris Ray. All these people are culpable, liable, and suitable because that was a militant war force for effect, a mass psyops operation to terrorize every patriot, America, everybody that loves them. Um, what the Trump administration is doing, although they may not know everything they're doing, but anybody that loves America, freedom, liberty. Uh, morals and culture and Christianity and other things that we embrace in this country should be maximally offended by the treason, the revolutionary terrorism of this weaponized FBI strike force of 27 to 29 men in SWAT teams, jackets, full-auto weapons, and a former FBI Comey agent there posing as a CNN reporter, Operation Gladio and... Um, let's see, what's the other one, Mockingbird, where they embedded uh, government agents inside all the broadcast media locations so they could have full command and control of the media and weaponized it as a propaganda, indoctrination, disinformation, psyops operation against we the people.
0: Damn, can you take a breath in the middle of all that? I did. (laughs) Okay. Well, I want them to keep doing it. See, yeah, that was CNN. See, I want them to keep doing stuff like that because all it does is shows everybody in the country and a lot of those people that are on the fence are not really fully awake yet. What the hell's going on? And the old saying is make a tyrant act like a tyrant. And we're not having to make them act like a tyrant. They're doing it out of fear and desperation. You
1: make an idiot act an idiot like Nancy Pelosi. These, <laughs>
0: these moves are not... The moves of a secure individual or organization,
1: or sane or
0: competent. Oh, they're sane. They're certainly competency is a, is something that can be. They're competent on their side, but they make well, blunders.
2: Like battery, I...
0: They keep making these blunders, man, where they're slitting their own throats. This is the the Roger Stone thing was a perfect example of the snake eating its tail.
2: Yes, sir. Did you guys pick up on Mark Levin's comment on something being unconstitutional?
0: Yes, I did. <laughs> I wanted to get back to this grand jury thing, Chris, here. Well, well let's see. we got a few minutes left in the program, because I think this is real important. It's hey, the, Roger. Yes, Bob.
2: Back to that interview. Did you catch that part where uh, Mark Levin said something I don't recall the context perfectly, but something was unconstitutional. Something about the, you know, the way things were handled. You recall that?
0: Yes, I think it was merging the statutes together to come up with a crime.
2: Yeah, I, I just had to laugh. I mean, constitutional. I'm going to go back to my favorite hyphenated word. Nothing to do with the Constitution, fellows. It is extra constitutional. It's outside of it. It's just completely irrelevant. Well, it's. They don't understand that, of course.
0: It's constitutional in this new constitutional sphere where this bankruptcy thing's in operation. foreign
2: corporate constitution is just the bylaws of the
0: corporation. Exactly. Well, what I want to get back to is is this is that, you know, I don't know how effective a tool is, even the organization of it gives me cold chills, but if we could ever get 12, 13, 15 people in one county that have filed this paperwork, yep. we could legitimately do that.
2: Yep. yep, yep.
0: Now, this is uh, also interesting in the conversation I had with Thomas the other night. Mono y mano. Um, he was telling me they had uh, John Ainsworth on their call a while back. And that kind of motivated him a lot, too. And maybe it motivates me uh, to get a hold of John again and see if we can't get him on the air. Uh, because I, I think that his stuff is very valid for what we're doing. I think him and I, at this point, are on the same page more than we were the last time we spoke seriously a number of years ago. So, uh, uh, But it, it dovetails right into this. And what he's done is just created the old state. They've manned the offices of the old vacant state that have been sitting there unmanned.
1: Wasn't that what our guy up in uh, Colorado did with his restoration of yes. the de yes. law grand juries? There were the the some. Government?
0: There was a couple of people that have tried it in different states. Colorado was one, and I don't remember what was his name—Dave something.
1: Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I should be able to tell you. I've got a diploma from him from somewhere, and he was one where I first got onto this, where I was able to prevail down in Yavapai County, Arizona, on international law, treaties, private grants of land-made patent, and constitutional diversity of citizenship, uh, by things I learned there and other extrapolations, investigations, due diligence that I've done on my own since then, and a little help from above from extraterrestrial resources.
0: Yeah, and see, that's what they've done. They've just veneered over. We mentioned the Articles of Confederation earlier. Same deal. There, If they weren't still in operation or available, they wouldn't be in the first book of the organic statutes at large. Sorry.
1: You were asking something about your grand juror question that Yes, well, I would U.S. versus Williams, but go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say all this stuff they've got now is over under this new system because there are effectively no old state citizens, not enough U.S. nationals. But if we can propagate enough through our efforts eventually, maybe we'll have an opportunity to put this into theory. I mean, Ainsworth, the guy in Colorado, saw – what And figured out that those offices have been veneered over, and they're vacant, yep. and they went in and set them up, and bam, they've got a functioning state government that is working. I mean, Ainsworth's been doing that up there in North Carolina for over 10 years.
1: North Carolina or Colorado?
0: No, this is in North Carolina. Jane's, Jane, uh, John Ainsworth deals in North Carolina
1: is he affiliated with rod class down there i don't know well that's very intriguing see this is what we're talking about when they adjourned the de jure common law constitution for america without coming to a conclusion when they were under the articles of confederation they came back and they adjourned same day without a date of return And that's when they came back, some of them, the next day without a full quorum, and they created this new construct, the Constitution of the United States of America, the CONCOM, where they overlaid the lawful seats of government and set new actors in the old seats and flipped the script on the American people and deceived us. That's a long time ago, brother.
0: Well, that's right. But, see, the nice thing is we can undo all that.
1: Yes, and that's what Ainsworth and the guy up. Uh, I think they tried it in.
0: I think they tried it in Michigan too, Chris. Michigan kind of tickles. Yeah,
1: the Michigan Society. That's right. I'm familiar with that group, huh?
0: And all they're they're all doing the same thing, is they're getting back and to I, those old offices. But even those, and they've got a structure there. But uh, I, I wonder still if if they don't go back to the Secretary of State and somehow effectively sever that presumption with that particular person, I just don't know. I think their effectiveness would be greatly heightened if they did that. Let's yeah. put it that way.
1: It would be powerfully enhanced beyond their expectations. And you're exactly right, Roger. When we restore people to their correct status as American, whatever state they're from, non citizen U.S. nationals, the alternative form on the DSM 11 that's provided a couple different places on there. They talk about that. Then we are back re inhabiting the lawful de jure of status, becoming actual living people on the land with a vested interest in guarding and protecting this country against all enemies, foreign, and domestic, and a duty to man the American common law grand juries of we the people who are supposed to do diligently oversee and control our government that we created as a government of the people, for the people, and by the people exclusively, and the people have got to take back control. And I assure you that when you do try to do these things and educate the people, wake them up, and restore your common lawful statuses and political obligations, that you will become under attack by the bar for sure, because I can testify to that first party competently.
0: Well, you you just filed your affidavit yesterday. You know, you've been fighting them, and you've been trying to fight the jurisdictional issue from the bottom up, which our people have always done, which is the incorrect way to do it. They control from the top down. You're fighting it from the wrong direction. you got to sever that nexus at the top. That's why this is so powerful, is nobody else had ever put that connection together before.
1: I agree with you totally. I, ha- I have been operating correctly. I've been putting those affidavits into every federal, local, state and county municipal case that I enter and challenging jurisdiction squarely and nobody ever rebuts my affidavit. They try to circumnavigate, go around it, obstruct justice, fail to produce and don't comply with right. the laws that are supposed to be. Okay.
0: Chris now let me ask you a question. With all this history that you're talking about that you've been doing that every time What about if you could have put in there, this affidavit is currently on file and unrebutted with the Secretary of State of the United States? Boom. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you'd have got a different reaction. I guarantee you.
1: That was what I put into those documents. I put in there that this uh, affidavit has never been rebutted, although it's in multiple uh, court cases. I've had victories and silencio, and uh, they call them. They're put under seal uh, because they don't want all the law, facts, and evidence I put in my cases open to the public eye, where they can learn from the documents i put in. Of course, they are not. scared to death of this stuff. This is like kryptonite to these. It is alleged it's, super. It's, it's, cri- it's,
0: right. crypt- it's kryptonite to super ferocite.
1: Yes, it is, and I think we're going to give them a big dose of it.
0: Well, I hope so. I keep trying to, you know. I mean, I've got a selfish motive here, and a and and, and one of an and an altruistic motive also, and um, uh, I get I, I get a little personal satisfaction every time I know that somebody's filed one of those, whether it's with the passport application or not. Okay.
1: Here's an intriguing proposition, Roger. Once you have filed it or recorded it with the Secretary of State or his heirs assigned agents or appointees, then you could do a FOIA request to the Secretary of State under five US 52, and there's a really interesting template that's fresh from and- Uh, May 29, 2018, and later from Judicial Watch. It's only five pages. It's an easy read, and the site on it is, it doesn't have a site on it. It's a 1 colon 18 hyphen CV, Charlie Victor, civil, hyphen 01854, doc 1, filed 8718. So this is fresh stuff. This is Judicial Watch Incorporated versus the U.S. Department of Justice. And it's a Freedom of Information Act demand for production of evidence that they want. And they've been seeking, and they've been the most effectuous, along with Larry Clayman, his uh, Freedom Watch place, and getting documents against Hillary Clinton and the gang, against the Bush cabal, against the uh, Department of Justice, the FBI, and these other agencies to be forthcoming and forcibly complied by judges that have actual morals, ethics, and scruples, a few of them at the very least, thank goodness, and they're having some success in getting documents produced.
0: Well, once again, you know, I've, I've said it before, I think Trump's given the, the country the silent majority a lot of backbone that they hadn't had before it's like i can stand up i don't feel as threatened or yeah i'm inspired i'm going to stand up and do what's right whatever their motivation is uh i think you can see it out there and i think we're going to see more of it i, I just got finished uh, i was watching i mentioned it yesterday when it came up just a little bit earlier. Watch this really well produced video on the super growing black conservative movement in the country. And uh,
1: Kanye West those people.
0: Uh yeah probably. This wasn't the people those weren't the people that were focused on this. It was younger females uh, and, and that have really gained uh, some through social media, I guess. Uh, have gained some notoriety and they they're very articulate. Uh, And they have a very good grasp of what's going on and what the Democrats have done and where they've let all the other rest of their ethnicity off the off the plantation uh, or back onto the plantation more accurately. I sent that to Robert the other day chris and uh hopefully maybe one day he's w- had a chance to watch it i'd like to hear his comments on it uh anything else we're drawing towards the close of the show today of course brent will be with us tomorrow um and uh, i sent him that interview we played today by the way so that may come up tomorrow no telling what. It? no what else well yes bob yeah
2: that tonight that's all going to be on Castbox description here
0: soon yes i'll put that it's on yesterday's I've been, already i've been it, in and
2: out so i didn't hear all of that okay yeah
0: it's on yesterday's already and i'll put it on today's also
2: okay all right well i'm really looking forward to hearing what virginia's got to say that sounds very interesting
0: yes it is and, right. and i really applaud her for her and her husband for those of you who don't maybe don't remember or didn't get it from the conversation. It's a gal that contacted us last year and said, I'm I'm married to a guy who's naturalized. He's, he was a Mexican. He moved to this country when he was young. He went through the whole naturalization process when he was younger. He's been in the military and all this, and we heard you or read your book or something. I somehow found the information, and she said, uh, I'd like to uh, do this. Cause I'm going to do the paperwork and stuff for him. Cause he's working. He's still having to work for a living to support us. And so she came on the air, asked her questions. I asked her to do it publicly and they submitted, both of them did the affidavits for each one of them in their respective statuses and situations. Both got back passports and we heard from Thomas. Yes. Day before yesterday on the air, they were in California for Christmas. This just happened last month. We're still on the last day, so it was last month. And they went to LAX to come back to Texas and they got checked in. The guy told him to go over to the TSA long line to get fleeced and x-rayed and probed and groped and all the stuff they do over there. And they went over there and the guy that had been the ticket agent came running. I at least he said running. I didn't say walking briskly. He didn't say walking normally. He said running over to that line and pulled them out of line and came and put them through the TSA whisk-through line. So it's a very interesting story. I'm like everybody else wanting to hear more. That's about the best uh, rendition I can give you at this point from what I've heard, Bob. But it's pretty exciting. We're seeing things happen with this that are, you know, I could have only dreamed about a few years back.
1: Roger. Let me reiterate, and with emphasis, your observation that there is a change in the behavior of governmental employees. I saw it in two different locations. I called the USA gov tra- passport assistance number uh, in D.C. and received very helpful, very polite, courteous uh, information that was accurate. I went to the passport agent office they directed me to, being closest to The federal zone identifier protocol zip code that I don't live in, but uh, nevertheless, that I found one to give them that gave them the ability to give me one that was close by, very close, in fact, and I received the same sort of telephonic and direct interpersonal right before him at his desk, courteous, polite, helpful, assisted behavior that we would normally expect from our government employees that we hire to assist us in navigating these trepidatious pathways.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, I've never had any blowback and never probably any problem myself. Somebody got in a argument with somebody at the state department on the phone one time. I don't remember all the details. Uh, but just like Bob, they called Bob back. He's the only person we know that's ever been called. And he said, look, lady, just make sure that affidavit's in my administrative folder. That's all I care about.
2: You can in fact, call they me call whatever you want. you want. Just don't <laughs> call
0: me late for dinner. <laughs> yeah, don't call me late for dinner. You know that old line. Okay, well, there he is, Mr. Whistler. Uh, guys, we'll be back with Brent tomorrow. You guys have a nice day. There's a lot of stuff bubbling, bubbling everywhere, and we're one day closer to something catastrophic in our lives. So keep that in perspective.
2: For <laughs> good or
0: bad. We're good or bad. Let's make good. Well, you want to make chicken soup out of chicken poop, is what my mama always told me, and we'll sure try our best Adios. to do that. I'll see you all tomorrow with Brent. Have a good day. Hasta luego from beautiful Ecuador. Ciao, ciao.
1: A silly cold book.
0: And Australowega, o- too.
2: Australowega. Find the cost of freedom buried
3: in
4: the ground Mother Earth will swap